With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. Sports betting season is in full force. NHL and NBA playoffs, we enjoyed those. And now football season is here. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MYBETUS. US, you can receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses also. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports book for a lot of reasons. No matter what the season, BetUS has all the games, NBA, NHL, team, player props, loads of NFL and college plays, whether futures or individual game odds. You can bet UFC matches and props, PGA golf, Golf and round matchups and live betting on most sports, including golf. The online casino has hundreds of games, and the race book has all your horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable, and the Sharp BetUS mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and partner with a sports betting company with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. In the South. It's always college football season, and the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show, heat flying in for Chuck today. Chuck's doing a little downtime here before the Thanksgiving holiday. Hopefully you're going to have a great holiday as well, but we're still talking college football for you here this day and uh, naturally every day, 365. We've got you covered all through all 52 weeks of the year. That's why we have the headline segment here. It is CFB 365. Everything you need to know about college football every single day. This is CFB 365. And our first headline of the day, not a great one for Georgia, although I think that what you hear is going to sound a little better in context. But for Georgia, freshman cornerback Nylon Green arrested this morning five charges, including felony possession of a weapon in a school zone. But as the Athletics beat reporter Seth Emerson 
provides more context on this. The weapon in question is a BB gun. There was apparently damage done to an exterior window, uh, exterior window at the Bucksby Hall there on the Georgia campus. Uh, witness reported to police that someone was uh, firing a weapon, but again, it turns out to be a BB gun. Uh, Emerson describes it as being similar to a 2016 incident with two Georgia players and a BB gun that eventually the uh, charges got dismissed when players agreed to a pretrial intervention. So no word from uh, Georgia on whether or not this has any impact on Green's availability. He has not been someone who's been an essential player for this year's team, only played in three games, but was a top 100-rated recruit in their most recent class. So you, you don't want to have anything happen that could endanger his long-term status with the program. Based on that initial description, you wouldn't think this would fit that kind of category. Uh, the coaching carousel will continue to move a lot over the next couple of weeks, but it sounds like, at least according to Pete Thamel of Yahoo, maybe two spots have already gotten filled. It's just a matter of it becoming formal. According to Thamel, it looks like Sonny Dykes is expected to become the next head coach at TCU. They, of course, moved on from Gary Patterson earlier this year, and Dykes's name almost immediately got linked to the job with a chance to get on into the Big 12 with SMU not getting the opportunity to move up and their conference changing. Even though Dykes has done really good work at SMU and those schools' arrivals, it was expected he would likely look to make the move. So again, according to Thamel, Dykes expected to leave for TCU, and according to him, former SMU offensive coordinator currently and Miami as offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley, is the leading candidate for SMU and will be hard to beat for the job. So two dominoes might fall there, and you wonder for Miami, given that their situation is very dicey right now, if they know you keep Manny Diaz, you have to let Manny Diaz hire a new offensive coordinator as opposed to being able to have stability with what you have with your freshman quarterback playing well here the last few weeks. Uh, maybe that makes them more likely to be willing to pull the trigger on a move there. One place that apparently is not going to be making a move and, and maybe a little surprising is Arizona State. Herm Edwards, the head coach at Arizona State, has been speculated as likely to go for a while. But now on three sports, as Matt Zenitz reporting, that uh, while jobs are opening up right now, Arizona State intends to stick with Herm Edwards and keep him as the head coach. Again, there's an NCAA investigation going on on that staff. They've had three different members of the coaching staff go on suspension. They're not expected to return at, at any point, but go on suspension during the season. His right-hand man, Antonio Pierce, has been the focus of a lot of the talk about the investigation. Uh, Pierce has been their lead recruiter. At one point here a few weeks ago, he took all Arizona State stuff off of his profile. So it certainly looks like it's going to be, at minimum, a radically reshaped staff. And there will be questions about whether or not the players have quit on this coaching staff. They're in Tempe, but apparently Herm Edwards is just going to keep on keeping on. Surprising. Next headline comes from the ranks of Liberty, where Hugh Freeze has gotten a contract extension. According to The Athletic, Freeze getting a new deal with Liberty through 2028 that is worth an average of more than $4 million per year. Uh, that is, of course, a significant salary bump for Hugh Freeze. Freeze's name came up more last year for jobs in the SEC than it has so far this year, but at some point you would think that if he could, he would look to move to a more high-profile location. They are in a conference now. That's the good news, is that for Liberty, they have been able to secure conference status, but uh, for Freeze, in the absence of anybody giving him an opportunity, particularly in the SEC or ACC, then he's getting a new deal and more money to stay put where he is. And while it is rivalry week, some rivalries eventually go away. 
It's worth noting that in the wake of the news of Oklahoma leaving for the SEC now, there's some questions whether or not the game they call Bedlam, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, whether or not they're going to survive. Mike Gundy, the head coach of Oklahoma State, saying, quote, I don't think it's a realistic thing that's going to happen based on the business side of Power 5 Conference football. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I'm not getting that from anybody. And uh, there were others there that apparently speculated about this, too. It would be a shame to lose the game. It's hard for me to believe that the folks in charge in the state of Oklahoma and the political world would allow them to lose this game. But Texas, Texas A&M ended. And Kansas and Missouri ended. It does happen sometimes. I don't know why you couldn't do it, though. I mean, he's talking about the realities of college football. Well, you have multiple schools, SEC, ACC, that play games every year in the conference. I don't know why Oklahoma couldn't play an SEC Big 12 game very easily while they're in the conference. They have to maintain the Texas rivalry, too. Maybe that's what he's talking about, the idea that they'll prioritize Texas over Oklahoma State. I don't know, but uh, I hope they do keep it because, again, the rivalries are what make college football what it is, and Bedlam is one of the great ones we have around the country. There you go. There's your CFB 365 here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Mention that, of course, we've got great rivalries. Another one that is one I know a little something about as I work on a day-to-day basis at 107.5, the game in Columbia, South Carolina, is the battle in the Palmetto State. If you have not been in South Carolina, you may not realize how intense this particular rivalry is. Hasn't been very good the last few years, though. Clemson's been so much better than South Carolina. There hasn't been a lot of drama there. This year, it might be a little bit more juice for the rivalry, and we're going to set you up for that particular battle of the Palmetto State coming up with Brad Sinkov here on the Chuck Oliver Show. the king of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show he's flying in for chuck oliver today but college football talk never stops Brad Sinkov has been talking plenty of college football this week because it is South Carolina and Clemson matching up at Williams-Brice Stadium on a Saturday night. First time they've been able to do this in a couple of years. This was one of the rivalries we did not get in 2020. But it's also the first time since really 2014 that this game has felt like there was really much competition going into it. And so I want to have Brad on and, and talk about this one. Because as I mentioned, I think Clemson is being a little undervalued right now in the national media by the College Football Playoff Committee. Only put them at 23. I think that, that they're maybe getting a little bit of an unfair deal here. So Brad Sinkov from 105.5 The Roar in the Upstate joins us now here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Brad, how are you, man? Heath, I'm doing great, man. Good to talk to you today. It's rivalry week. I'm excited. Yeah, you know what? This is something, uh, so many of these rivalries, you know, we have more than 50 uh, different stations around the southeast that carry the show, so so people know their rivalry where they are, but they don't necessarily know the details of other ones. I don't think people outside the Palmetto State appreciate this is an angry rivalry. There's some rivalries that, oh, you know, we, we don't like you and we don't like you. This is different. These are folks that really have some intense spite for each other all year round. And I, as somebody who did not grow up in the state, who moved there after uh, working in other areas, I had to learn just how intense it was. And so for it to not get played last year, like you had state legislators trying to force the game to get played over the over the conference's requirements that they not play. And it, was, it was a mess. But it's going to be nice to just let them get back on the field together and, and for the first time in seven years for there to at least feel like there's something with the game itself to talk about. 
Yeah, this is an intriguing year, and it's one that the rivalry probably really needed. Last year was extremely disappointing. And, you know, I'm I'm big on streaks. Like, I like consecutive years. You know, that 111 straight years South Carolina Clemson had played. For that to end, it, it just it left such a bad taste in people's mouths. I mean, granted, Clemson was really, really good last year. South Carolina fired their coach during the season and went through all of that. It, it would have been a blowout, but it still matters, and it matters to the people who see each other every day, whether it's at work, whether it's, you know, when they walk outside in their front yard, whether it's in their own homes. It is such a big deal to the people of South Carolina to see that this rivalry gets played. So it is nice to have it back. And there is some intrigue here because, you know, Clemson's offense is not Clemson's offense, not the one that we've seen over the last six or seven years or even the last decade or so uh, under Dabo Sweeney. It's taken a big step back and it's gone through some injuries and issues and, trying to find itself and right some wrongs throughout the year. But it is an offense that's finally kind of figured out who it is. And you got South Carolina with, with what's been a, a really solid defense for the most part and has kept them in games and given them a chance to win as it did against Auburn this past week. So I I really think this sets up to, to add some entry because I don't think it could be, you know, the, oh, okay, Clemson wins by 20, 23 points, whatever. Let's just get through it and move on. I do think there's something, an added layer to this rivalry this year. Yeah, I, I get the feeling that Clemson is getting a little undervalued right now. I talked about this earlier. The committee last night put them at 23, and you're talking about a team that has three losses. One is in double overtime on the road. One is to Georgia in neutral field by seven. One is on the road by 10. All the teams that they've lost to are ranked in the top 20 by this same committee. Uh, and they've got them behind Texas San Antonio. They've got them behind San Diego State. This is after they just thrashed, played their best game of the year, and thrashed a team that was in the committee's top ten last week. Uh, Brad, I, I get it. The offense has been a mess all year long, and, and last week doesn't necessarily tell us that they have fixed the offense. Why do you think that it seems like people have kind of slept on Clemson and, and what they actually are for this year compared to what people seem to think they are? Well, he, I mean, I hate to do, like, you know, black helicopter stuff here, but I, I do think there's some media members who don't necessarily like Clemson or don't like Dabo Sweeney, and they've been forced to rank them very high or talk about them or write about them for, for the last six years in terms of being one of the elites in college football, and maybe this is their way, you know, to kind of get back to Clemson a little bit, like, hey, they're not as good this year. I can, you know, you know sort of undervalue them if I want to and get away with it, and so maybe they're just kind of like feeling that way. They just some, some people get tired of winners. I mean, it happens in every sport. Now Alabama seems to avoid that for whatever reason. But it was an opportunity for folks to sort of take Clemson down a little bit, knock a leg out from underneath them, and and and, and sort of kind of I, I want to say stick it to them per se. That's a little bit spiteful. That's a little bit maybe petty in some sense. But in a lot of ways, it's the media's chance to not talk about Clemson, to not write about Clemson, and have them up there. So I, I think some folks have sort of taken. Uh, that opportunity had done so. Let's talk about that offense. Uh, DJ Ongalele has been a, a story all year as to uh, not maybe being what people imagined he was going into the year, just a ready-made star at quarterback. He's also been beaten up. Uh, they are super thin at wide receiver. Health-wise, where is he, where are they, and, and can they effectively pass the football this week? Well, this offense has given people plenty of reason to undervalue or put Clemson down or whatever, and I'm not going to argue against that because the offense has been really, really rough to watch at times this season. But from a health standpoint, you know, DJ doesn't move very well right now. He didn't move great when he was 100% healthy. He's not Deshaun Watson. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't have those kind of legs. 
but he he was effective in the run game at times. But now he just looks like he's laboring out there a little bit. And so that's going to continue. He's wearing a brace on his knee. It's a sprained MCL. It's not bad enough to keep him out of, of competition. But he doesn't really hang right behind him. Tyson Pumachon, the backup quarterback, he's banged up. He didn't play last, couldn't play last week against Wake Forest. We'll see where he's at. He's kind of day-to-day currently right now. They need him for this South Carolina game, in my opinion, just as a change-of-pace guy to come in and, and be a, a, a true run threat that DJ can't be. So keep an eye on that. Receiver-wise, it doesn't it, it doesn't look good for Joseph Ngata. He's not going to return this week for this game. We'll see if he's available for a bowl game down the road. Uh, potentially an ACC championship if Clemson finds their way into that. But E.J. Williams is day-to-day. He may be able to play. If not, it's going to be, you know, two freshmen, Nikari Collins and Bo Collins. And Bo Collins has really stood out the last few weeks. And Nikari's coming on really strong as well. But this is not a healthy group. They do have Will Putnam back at right guard. He came back last week. He made a huge difference against Wake Forest. He gave them stability up front. This might be the most stable the offensive line has been from one week to the next. That's something Clemson has certainly had because of injuries and issues up front. So offensively, they're okay. They're in decent health, but certainly they're, they're not anywhere near where they want to be. When they look at South Carolina, the first time that these two have gone against each other with Shane Beamer as coach, uh, South Carolina, since they made the move to Jason Brown at quarterback on their bye week, has won two of three. They had a 40-point game against Florida, 28 in a loss, and 21 in their win against Auburn last week. That's not exactly an offensive explosion, but compared to what they were doing earlier in the year, it seems like it. What do they make of what South Carolina is and and Clemson's outstanding defense? Where do they begin to try and uh, stop this team? Well, it's, it's up front. Uh, obviously, South Carolina wants to run the football with their Quadre White and Kevin Harris, and, and Brent Venables has a ton of respect. The defensive coordinator for Clemson understands what those guys are capable of doing, how they can hurt you, uh, why you need to shut them down and take away their attack. And I, I think that's the main focus right now. Take that away. South Carolina's 108th in the country in third-down conversions, and, and Clemson makes a living off of getting you at third and longs where they can bring their their pass rush, their blitzes, their, their exotic blitzes. Brent Venables has been mixing it up, too, Heath. I know against Wake Forest, he was dropping his defensive uh, end, K.J. Henry, into coverage a lot against Wake and bringing both his linebackers. So they're going to try to confuse Jason Brown. The difference between what I think Jason Brown saw last week against Auburn, what he'll see this week, is Auburn got a lot of their pressures from the edge, and he was able to step up and kind of avoid some of that and make some throws. Clemson will bring it right up in your face, and they're going to force him to try to tuck the ball and try to run. And when he does, Miles Murphy and Xavier Thomas are on the edges waiting on that. So it's it's going to be really it's going to be really difficult, I think, for South Carolina with football uh, with, with the way that Brent Venables can take away teams' strength and force you to rely on your weakness. One thing that people may not remember is that Dabo Swinney in large part got the Clemson job because he beat Spurrier in 2008. In that game, he pulled out a, a fake field goal trick. He pulled out some fancy stuff in that one. Uh, last week, he was using things like a pop pass against Wake Forest. Do you think he saved some stuff for this game, or, or did last week, with the possibility of still getting to the ACC title, did he use more of the tricks that week? Oh, I still think he's got tricks up his sleeves. I, listen, Dabo Swinney's got probably 15 to 20 maybe more trick plays 
that he always works on and has in the bag when he needs them. And, you know, he's he's got an offense this year that needs them. I mean, I, I think that's why you saw him run the fake field goal with his son, Will Sweeney, against UConn. I mean, you don't really break that out against UConn, but he wanted to get that on film for whatever reason. He wanted to use it. I think he felt like he needed it uh, as well. So he, he's going to do it when he needs it. And he's got some stuff he's safe. Look, he, he's been able to line up and just beat teams because he's had more talent than everybody for so many years. That's not the case with this offense. I would not be surprised to see him get a little creative in this one. Brad Sink, if you can hear him on 105.5 The Roar in the upstate of South Carolina, does a great job covering Clemson for them. You can follow him on Twitter. Brad, S-E-N-K-I-W is the handle there. Brad, be well, man. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Appreciate you making time for us here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Heath, and all the listeners out there. Everyone take care. All right, coming up here on the Chuck Oliver Show, we take a look around the whole scene of college football. Russ Mitchell of College Football News Schedule to join us straight ahead. Keep it right here. You are listening to the Chuck Oliver Show. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Chuck Oliver Show continue to keep fine in for Chuck today and regularly here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Russ Mitchell joins Chuck to uh, take a look all around the world of CFB and what's going on. And so we're fortunate enough to have him today. Russ, how are you, man? I am kicking the tires and lighting the fires. Can you hear me? I got you, man. I appreciate you making the time here the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, Big week, Russ. A lot going on. We've got important games. We've also got rivalry games. Sometimes those things are not the same. Sometimes they are. Do you have a particular (laughs) favorite rivalry game that you don't have that direct affiliation with? Because it's one thing if you have a direct affiliation. Uh, But for when you watch other people's rivalry games, do you have like a favorite game you look forward to this week? I mean, I love Tiddlywinks rivalry. <laughs> you can put two cousins together. You know, if there's a good rivalry, I'll watch that. But to me, the rivalry, and I've been to most of these games, uh, uh, out in and outside of the SEC, certainly been to all the SEC ones, was at the uh, was at the big uh, Davis run back between Bam and Iron Bowl game. To me, the Holy War. BYU and Utah, that's there's a remarkable amount of hate in a game that calls itself, you know, any having the word holy in it and getting to see that much hate, uh, that's a game you all should go see at least once in your lifetime. Yeah, I haven't been to that one, but I have always heard it's super intense. It's weird because, yeah, there's always that assumption. Oh, it's an in-state game. Of course, it's a rivalry. But, but some places it's not necessarily like that, you know. Uh, you, you hear about some of the ones out west. The Apple Cup is supposedly a big deal, but it's not as big a deal as the one between Oregon and Oregon State that's super intense. And uh, It is interesting. War, some, yeah. of the western, some of the western spots, uh, they, they have some have juice and some do not. Uh, southeast, uh, I, I, like I said, we, we love the fact we get the Egg Bowl now on Thanksgiving on a regular basis because yeah. that one, just the sheer wildness and intensity of that whole series. For two programs that you know, neither one are serious SEC contenders year in, year out, uh, they've each had good years, but nobody expects them to be the league characters in the SEC. It's kind of cool that they get one night where they get to be. 
Yeah, and you know this is this should be a really exciting game. Uh, you have State sitting at seven four, who are playing really well. You know, I mean they're they're not up to the caliber that Ole Miss is this year, but I, I'm actually picking the upset in this. I, I think State. You know, this is a banged-up Rebel team. They haven't really faced a, a quarterback that can throw on them like this other than maybe Bryce. And Rodgers is connecting right now. I think Rodgers is probably the hottest quarterback in all of college football. Yeah, he's doing uh, you good know, he's things. Connecting, no question. connecting on close to 80% of his throws. Marvelous, right? That's better than... Jones is better than uh, Burrow. 80% of his throws over the last five games and 20 touchdowns. And the old Miss pass defense, as we talked about, hasn't had to face a quarterback like this in a while. And they've still given up, you know, over 200 yards per game passing on a regular basis. It's going to be a very exciting game. But at home, I, I, I like State. I think State wins this one in a, in a like a 40-38 or 41-40 type game. Russ Mitchell's with us from College Football News. You can follow him on Twitter. Russ Mitchell CFB is the handle there. Uh, Russ, earlier this week, uh, Matt Chernoff of 680 The Fan in Atlanta, who does a podcast, uh, he, he flat out put out on Monday the idea on his Daily 10 podcast that they should just get rid of the Georgia Tech-Georgia series, that this series has gotten to the oh. point where Georgia has won 23 of the last 30. The recruiting edge between the two programs has never been broader. And his thing was, hey, this is pointless for both sides. Uh, no one believes Tech has a chance in any of the games in the next few years. Uh, what are we doing? Just let uh, Georgia book a better non-conference game. Let Tech not end their year by getting one in the junk every single year for the next decade. Uh, <laughs> and, and I understand from a logical standpoint what he's talking about, but you, you just can't do that. you got to play no, the game. you can't. Do that. We're giving up so many traditions as it is when we're expanding for the money. As it is, we need to like. If even I've been arguing for years, not having Texas Texas A and M on Thanksgiving is just stupid, and I hate using that word, but it's just stupid. And if Oklahoma joins the SEC, which it looks like is going to happen, they, their last game needs to be Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. You know, you got to have. I'm a big, big, obviously, I love all my children the same, and I'm a big believer in the SEC's dominance over every other conference. But, you know, you got to end the seasons with these games. They're important. They're important to the states. They're they're deeper than the, you know, over time, one school will be better than another school. And, but you, you got to keep the traditions going. And one that has evolved over time, obviously, is the Auburn-Alabama series. Uh, Pat Dye gets a move to home and home. So you can evolve a tradition yes. and have it continue to be great. And uh, this one is going to be mighty interesting because you look at what's going on with <laughs> Alabama. Alabama drops to three in the CFP rankings this week. But everybody knows still yeah. all they have to do is take care of their business, win against Auburn, win against Georgia, and they'll be the number one yeah. team in the playoff rankings. And they'll be the team that uh, everybody still has to beat if they can pull off winning two in a row and that's the thing russ is that you look at them for week week over week they just don't impress you like you expect an alabama team too but we all just know it could happen it could happen at any moment yeah yeah i mean if i'm alabama i don't care at all i mean it doesn't matter two three whatever and certainly two three it really doesn't matter because you're playing you know even if it ends up that way you're playing the other one so it doesn't really matter I, my my thoughts here, obviously specific to this game, Auburn being without 
their two key scorers and you know and Bo Nix and and their kicker uh, Carlson. That's that's difficult. And Finley, TJ Finley, actually started last year against Alabama when he was at LSU and completed for like 140 yards. And I would expect the same thing in this game. So the spread's like what 19. I. I Alabama hasn't done very well against the spread this year because, as you point out, they've been very inconsistent. Unlike you, Heath, I I don't think Alabama. This is the Alabama. It's the end of the season, brother. You know, I mean, this is who this year's Alabama is. And meanwhile, Georgia is who they are. And I really have all season. They were my preseason pick to win it all. And I, I still, I'm even more confident in Georgia's ability to beat Alabama right now than I was at the beginning of the year. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I still would pick Georgia to win the game. It's just with Alabama, you just know there's an extra gear that's conceivable, whether it's that they that Saban's yep. been holding something back, whether it's that some kid, it just clicks suddenly one week and he has a an explosive effort. It just, there's something still Agreed. there. There's some teams you know there's well, no meat left on the bone. With Alabama, there's meat left on the bone. Yeah, and, you know, if you have an injury in the game, the next guy you put in for Alabama is – I mean, there's nobody in the sport that has as much talent, not even, not Ohio State, nobody that has as much talent as Alabama uh, on the roster. I, I, I like I, – I, I, and, and they have the history, right? And they have the mentality. They feel like they should win. And I think at Georgia, there's still <laughs> – you can just hear the anxiety <laughs> – all the way from Athens right now while I'm talking. You know, I mean, there's just a feeling that, you know, are we really going to win this? Whereas, you know, the Alabama people feel, the Alabama players feel, we should win this. We deserve to win this. And, you know, if you played, you know that goes a long way on the field. Russ Mitchell's with us here on the Chuck Oliver Show from College Football News. A few more minutes with him looking around some of the SEC action this week. Russ, just bringing it back to Auburn for a second. Auburn has made a bowl, but uh, now assuming they don't pull the upset, you know, in a year where you beat Alabama, your season's a success for Auburn, there's no question. But if they don't, 6-6 six and six year one, going to a bowl yeah. that probably will not excite their fans very much, there is still that looming question of the December 8th vaccine mandate and, and whether or not Brian Harson actually is complying with that can he get an exception if he's not complying you know no one knows exactly what's going on but it's just kind of murky it's just kind of hanging out there that december 8th there might be some impact on auburn's coaching situation from that conceivably and then also there's just some buzz that maybe he's not a fit that 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 the auburn people feel like maybe he's not a fit and then maybe he himself is wondering if he's not a fit i just i didn't like the hire when they made it it's not that harson is inherently a quote-unquote bad coach it felt like they were kind of flailing around and just grabbed somebody that they could say, hey, this is a guy who's won some games. He might be good for us. It didn't feel like it was worth putting $20 million out there to get rid of Gus to bring in Brian Harson to me at the time and a year yeah. in. I don't see much yeah. evidence that it yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, and, and also it's how the, how the year finishes, right? And I know there have been some key injuries, but yeah. Uh, just a, a terrible performance against A&M. And again, at College Stadium, it's a difficult place to play. But, you know, uh, then the loss to State, the loss to South Carolina. You know, uh, I think he's a very good coach. I question his fit there. The only problem is, brother, if you're if you're get, looking for a coach this year, I mean, get in line. 
even a proud program like Auburn, there's going to be at least four programs that are going to be ahead of you. So who are you going to go get? Oh, it's a tricky year, there's no question. And one of the schools that has to still find a guy is uh, Florida. And, of course, they've still got a game to play right. against FSU this week. W- what do you even make of one like this, Russ? FSU has had a, a little bit of a resurgence down the stretch. UF, just they've still got the ability to score points, but we have no idea kind of what their offense is this week. What do we even do with this game? This is my favorite game of the week, man. I mean, can you imagine for just a minute if you were a Florida State fan, you started off the season at 0-4, losing to, like, you know, bottom feeder programs, and now you have the chance to be bowl eligible with Travis playing particularly well under center and knock your arch-rival Florida from being able to go to a bowl game and practice in December. Uh, what what a turnaround for the Seminole fans. And, and I think it happens. I think this is a, you know, Mullen certainly lost the team. There's nobody really there. The players have get packed it in and surrendered. They're not playing anymore. I, I, like, State, I like Florida State in this game and, and uh, you know, Kudos to everybody there in Tallahassee, and uh, the extra few weeks of practice will certainly do them a world of good. Yeah, I'll be real interested to see. It feels like a game where we're going to know real fast. Either Florida's kids say, hey, let's let's get to a bowl, let's at least not lose to FSU, let's have something we can take pride in out of the season, or you're going to know by the end of the first quarter, yeah, this they've grabbed the stamps and mailed this sucker in. But uh, we're going to know think, pretty fast, think I think. The- do you think the Florida players really want to play in a bowl game? Do you think they really want to still be playing football? I'm not sure that they care about playing in the bowl game. I do think they care about beating FSU, though. I think if you're a Florida player See, and you have been true. used to the idea you beat FSU, you do not want yeah. to go into the offseason with the taste of uh, a month of November that consisted of getting destroyed by South Carolina, uh, barely getting by Samford, and having your celebration be mocked by people around the country for the fact that you're celebrating beating Samford. OT loss in Como and lose at home against Florida State. I don't. I don't think that the kids in that locker room are going to have much much appetite for you, dealing with that. One more game realize, I want to hit really quickly, Russ. If, if uh, you're quickly, if you're a Florida State senior, you've never beaten Florida. Yeah, and I think the Florida kids are going to really try to maintain that if they can. Now, whether or not they have the resources with you know, a staff that knows it's on its way out and, and your play caller's gone and everything else, I have no idea if they have the resources to, to do it, but I think that they will at least care. I'll be surprised if they're not invested to try right. and win that game. Kentucky-Louisville, uh, there might not be a player in the country that I think is less regarded for what he is nationally than Malik Cunningham of, of Louisville. This is a game that I think is a fun game, and, and Cunningham is just a really nice player that I don't think many people, because Louisville is basically a 500 football team and looked terrible in their opener, I just think most people have been kind of mentally out on Louisville all year. This guy's really good. Yeah, and you know, I, I there's so much going on behind the scenes uh, at Kentucky right now, and you know, Stoops' name is getting thrown around in a lot of different places. Uh, I personally hope he stays. I think he's just been magnificent uh, at, at Kentucky. Um, and, you know, I I think he the, the great thing about him was when he got there, you know, I know he came in saying that he was going to 
put his, you know, his stamp on the program and that he was going to go out and recruit with the big guys. And he's kind of done the opposite. You know, he's taken the players that he could get, coached them up beyond their, you know, I, I think they're putting some great kids into the NFL right now. And he, he kind of adjusts the coach, the, 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 the program based on what he's got rather than trying to force his – and so I think he's done a marvelous job of coaching. And to be honest with you, I think I think Stoops would be a great fit for the next step up. I think he would be great at Auburn. I think he would be great at Florida. You know, I think he would even do a good job at LSU. Given If you, th- if you think about LSU, if you're an LSU fan, look at the, the – you've had three coaches win a national championship who are all very, very different. Your last three coaches. You don't think Mark Stoops? Could win a national championships for championship for you. So I think I think there's a lot in this game because I think it might be the one that uh, Stoops, the last one he coaches against Louisville. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Certainly, there's reason to believe that there would be interest in him in the market. It's just a question of whether or not he thinks it's the right way to go. Russ Mitchell from College Football News. You can see him on Twitter, Russ Mitchell CFE. See his work at CollegeFootballNews.com. Russ, thanks for being with us here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Heath, love your work. Love listening. It's great to chat with you today. And everybody, remember. Thanksgiving, you got a lot of neighbors that are hungry. If you can afford to give a little extra to your food bank or at the supermarket, that would be very much appreciated. No question about it. Thank you, Russ. Have a great Thanksgiving. Coming up, we will talk about rivalries and something to be a little thankful for. That is straight ahead here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. This is a very good defense. Um, I think they're well coached and they have really good players. You know, playing with an edge. So, you know, we got to practice with an edge and we got to bring it as well. And, you know, it's going to come down to, you know, certainly, you know, how hard each team plays, which I think you're going to get everybody's best effort. But then it comes down to execution, you know, who makes plays in the end. So uh, the preparation this week is very, very important. That is the voice of Ryan Day, the head coach of Ohio State, as, of course, the Buckeyes get Michigan this week, trying to build off of their success against Michigan State last week, just absolutely crushing them in the early part of that game. And, uh, look, it's the first time we will have seen that rivalry in a couple of years. Remember, COVID cost us that one last year. They actually did have it on the schedule after the Big Ten started playing again, but uh, COVID issues at Michigan kept that game from getting played. And, and the fact that it was even speculation that, oh, they're they're trying to avoid their whipping because Michigan and Ohio State, the last couple of times they did play it, uh, Michigan had no answers for Ohio State at all. Uh, Don Brown's defense, they had long since solved that scheme they knew how to attack it Don Brown refused to adjust it and and it was ugly the last couple of times these teams played it's easy to forget that just believe four years ago Michigan was actually favored in the game there was a lot of belief that oh yeah this is the year this is the year and then they went out and gave up at least 62 points to Ohio State that day just got completely nuked so we get that one back and, and that's one of the things uh, look there's there's a lot of stuff to be thankful for as we head into the holiday that, in addition to being with family and friends, is supposed to be a day of of expressing gratitude and and thankfulness. There's a lot of things that are certainly more important than college football, but this is a college football show, so we appreciate college football things. And I am thankful that we get that rivalry back. I'm thankful that we get the chance to see some of the ones we didn't from the ACC and the SEC going against each other. Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, Clemson and South Carolina, and Louisville, Kentucky are all huge games in their states, and people didn't get them last 
last year. And it's a big deal that we get them back. You know, fortunately, some programs like Alabama-Auburn, it's, it's in-state, but it's a rivalry in the conference, too, so it's a little easier for those to get played. But there were some people who last year, traditions, games that matter a ton to them, they missed out. And this year we get them, and uh, we are grateful for that fact. Uh, David Holloway is uh, producing this program today. He is an Ohio State partisan. David, I am going to give you exactly 30 seconds to make your case for why Ohio State is going to continue to keep their streak going here. Well, let's look at it this way. Ohio State had absolutely dominated Michigan State with they had the best running back in America. And they absolutely got in the quarterback's face that entire game. I think the Buckeyes can do that again, get inside McNamara's face. And also, the one thing they got to prevent is those passes, uh, those chunk plays that they consistently give up in the middle. If they can stop that, and if their offense can continue to be explosive as they were in the past couple weeks, Ohio State's going to continue their domination of Michigan over the past 20 years. I'm curious to see the defense, just to see Mike McDonald. They brought him in from the NFL, from the Ravens, and he was not a coordinator on the NFL level. So first time as a coordinator, he has done some really good things for Michigan this year, but Ohio State's receiving core is a whole other level of difficulty. And so I'm very interested to see what he comes up with to try and figure out how to get them in check and give Michigan a shot to win that football game. The other thing uh, that I, I wanted to mention quickly is that we had a passing in the SEC media core, and really specifically the Alabama media core yesterday that I want to make note of. Uh, Cecil Hurt, the longtime columnist for the Tuscaloosa News, passed yesterday at the age of 62. He had been in the hospital for a while battling pneumonia, and uh, Hurt is somebody that if you have read him, you know he was a tremendous writer. He was a chronicler of everything that went on with the Alabama program over the last four decades. Uh, he was a really unique guy. And all you need to know about Cecil Hurd is that the week of Auburn, Alabama, it took no time at all for Nick Saban yesterday to put out a statement saying, quote, Cecil Hurt was a good friend and one of the best sports writers I have ever had the privilege of working with, not just at Alabama, but all of our coaching stops. He was a man of integrity and a fair-minded journalist, blessed with wit, wisdom, and an ability to paint a picture with his words few have possessed. Cecil was loved throughout his community and state as an old-school journalist who covered the Alabama beat with class and professionalism. He was a role model for young writers and the most trusted source of news for Alabama fans everywhere. He leaves a wonderful legacy as one of sports journalism's best our thoughts and prayers are with his family and friends, as well as Alabama fans everywhere who love Cecil as much as we did. Again, a, a poignant statement there from Nick Saban uh, about Cecil Hurt, but he was that kind of impactful figure. And if you saw him on social media, uh, there's plenty of older media members who either are not comfortable with Twitter at all, won't even get on there, or, or really don't want to engage much. Uh, he was fantastic at it. He, he had zingers on there. Uh, he was really, really good at the form. Uh, I did not personally know Cecil well, but you felt like you knew him a little bit by virtue of just interacting with him and, and seeing him online. So uh, we don't have many of these kind of people anymore that do four decades with one team. You know, Gainesville, my friend Pat Dooley in Gainesville was that guy for Florida for a long time. But uh, there are not many like this out there now that spend their whole career chronicling one program. So rest in peace, Cecil Hurd. Great career. Life well lived. Thanks to you for listening here on the Chuck Oliver Show. Have a great Thanksgiving. Chuck will be back on Monday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.